0: Welcome to eavesdropping at the movies, I'm Jose I'm Mike Okay, so we've just come back from seeing the disaster artist Directed by James Franco and starring James Franco um, And his brother Dave And his brother Dave, so a family operation Not as a Wellesian as Tommy Wiseau's The Room But getting there almost (laughs) The disaster
1: artist, what do you think?
0: Um, well several things really I I think James Franco is extraordinary uh, and he's a pleasure to watch and he's both touching and he's really funny he lands all the jokes I don't think much of the movie I think it's kind of a mistake that an actor as gifted as he is is doing all these thousands of projects including this one which are not very well thought through and You know, an actor of his quality doesn't just put himself in the hands of a great director, which is really what, in my view, he should be doing, because he is extraordinary. Uh, I didn't think much of the film, though, actually, I laughed
1: a lot throughout it. You did laugh an awful lot. Yeah. And I laughed quite a bit as well, not as much as you. Um, And and actually, interestingly, we laughed at different points. Yes, we did. Um, So it seems to have a couple of gears to it, to its humour, I guess. Um, Yes. I... Basically, found it quite banal, like and not not the worst film in the world, you know, because that's the room. But uh, it's kind of melt toast, and it has its moments. But it's, I think it's telling the story in the wrong way. It's got the wrong opinion of its story. It, 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 so, what do you think it does, and what do you think it should do? The way it's bookended really sets me off. I really, I, I came out of the film in quite a bad mood because of the last ten minutes or so. Mm. Whereas actually, I'd had a reasonable time the rest of it. Um, so it's, it opens with talking heads of a load of actors, uh, like Kristen Bell and uh, Kevin Smith, the director, um, who are talking about The Room. They have these things, and it's, it's supposed to set it up as a kind of ironic, this film was great, because t- Tommy, what Tommy was doing, he wanted to change the world. Mm. That's what they're all saying. And obviously they're talking about The Room, which is popularly considered the worst film ever made. No. He made it on his own dime. Somehow he had $6 million. Mm. Um no one knew who this guy was, he's got a weird accent, he's from Eastern Europe somewhere, though he claims he's an all American guy from New Orleans. Um and he made this terrible film. Uh that has since become a cult yes. thing that plays on midnight circuits. They play it every month in London, I think. Yes. And huge crowds go there, and there's something about spoons and they throw a uh, football around. And it's you know, and it's a huge joke. Um and and Tommy Wiseau uh maintains that this was intended as a joke. Clearly that is a lie. Yes. Um, and he wanted it to be, you know, this kind of uh, great American melodrama and it just wasn't. Um, anyway, uh, so, the, fil- so the, the disaster artist opens up with people talking about this and and, uh, and then it goes, goes into the story of how it was made and uh, Greg Sestero is this kind of wannabe actor, played yeah. by Dave Franco, who meets Tommy at uh, an acting class. And they kind of form a partnership, and they move to LA because Tommy has a, has an apartment there. Yes. Uh, and eventually, when they when they're kind of being turned down all the time, they go, "Let's make a movie of our own." Yes. And Tommy's creative vision comes into being. Uh, blah blah blah. They make a movie. It all goes very bad. Uh, relationships sort of fall apart. And then right at the end, at the premiere, everyone's laughing at it. Like they realize this film is terrible mm. after uh, after a period of going what. Really? What is going on? What's yes. going on? They realise it's so bad, it's good. Um, and start laughing at it. And, uh, and Tommy storms off because he's upset about that. But he's convinced by Greg that, you know, you've made people happy. Look at the great time they're having. Yes. Um, and he, and when the film finishes, he goes up on stage to rapturous applause and says, Thank you for seeing my comedy movie. I'm glad you liked it. Yes. And the film ends with this fucking so self-indulgent thing of how they... The disaster artist people have recreated a lot of the scenes from the room, yes. and they play them side by side for no purpose whatsoever. It's so self-indulgent. Well, there's one purpose: it's to
0: show how accurate the reproduction is to the so original.
1: So what? Well, that's an achievement of its own. It's not. It's so self-indulgent. It bears no. It has no impact on anything in the movie, and it takes such a long time. And it and it, it's purely a fan thing.
0: Yes, it is. But that's okay. I mean, you know, I think the fan thing. Is, well, let me rephrase it. I also think it's too long, and I also think it's self-indulgent. But there are reasons for that. And one is to show the accuracy, which actually is quite amazing, how to the extent to which they reproduce the original.
1: But it doesn't come to any part in the actual body of the film. All these scenes happen right at the end.
0: I know. Um, but still. And the other thing is to acknowledge that very fandom, which, you know, I find kind of... Well, not bizarre, because... You know, it's not, it's not anything one hasn't seen before. No. I mean, it
1: happens with like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right?
0: Well, I was thinking more of the guy who directed uh, Nine from Outer Space or whatever it's called. Uh, a Plan uh, Nine from Outer Space, yeah. Ed Wood. Ed Wood, yeah. Uh, um, who Burton did the film on.
1: I was thinking of it more in terms of the way people go to the screenings in costume, they recite the lines, that sort of thing. That's and, like Rocky Horror.
0: Okay, yes. You know, but people also had a cult following of Edward. People would yeah, go sure. to Edward films to laugh at them. And actually, there's something about all of that that I find deeply unpleasant. Um, you know, kind of to go someplace to laugh at people being bad mm. is is not. Um, no,
1: it's know, unpleasant. It, yeah.
0: It kind
1: of, and I, I personally don't think a film. I tried to watch The Ring the other day because I hadn't seen it before. In preparation for this, yes. and I couldn't make it through ten minutes, or yes. well, maybe fifteen. But yes. I just thought this is actually there's no such thing as so bad it's good. It's just bad. I think well, it's, it's so adolescent. Like I remember being a kid and watching Plan Nine from Outer Space and laughing at how everything was on strings and how Bella Lugosi, you know, died and they changed into another character who just covered his face and all that trivia stuff. It was entertaining when I was fifteen. Yes, but it's not not now. Well. Well, the thing is that obviously it's got a cult,
0: a cult following, and you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, people love watching it. Uh, but I do think, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say really because I haven't participated in any of these screenings myself. Mm. So, so I can't say for sure. But the idea is one that I find unpleasant. Yeah. You know that you're just you're just going with a superior attitude to laugh at something. So somebody being bad or you know doing a shoddy job, or mm. like kind of you know, and and I don't know what feelings it incites in people, but but to me, kind of there's a kind of a smugness about about the reception of it, really, and a kind of a, a superiority and so on that I find kind of sad, really. Um, okay. so, um, anyways.
1: I think I think the ending of the disaster artist, um, um, and the way as you say, it acknowledges the fandom and it. It, basically, it is a fan project in terms of the, the actual refilming of those scenes, restaging of them, and showing them at the end side by side. That's a f- pure fan project. Yes, and you know, the, and the people who've made this film are fans. Yes, and I think that's the central problem with it actually, because this film ends up framing the entire making of the room as "Follow Your Dreams." Yes. These two guys followed their dreams, and you know what? They got a film mate. Yes. And actually, I think it would be so much more interesting if the film was going. You know what? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs>
0: well, which is the advice? <laughs> There's that... an element of that. And well, that's yeah, the Judd advice... Apatow, I think, plays yeah.
1: the producer. Well, that's right. That's right. That's the advice he gives. Um... But the film ends up not saying that. The film ends up saying, you know, they did something great. Ultimately, even if it wasn't what they meant. Yeah. They did and something. I think. It needs to be a lot darker
0: than that. Well, my response is, when you can throw six million around, it's not difficult to do something, right? Like, actually, you know, but kind of what you expect is that you do something good with six million, right? Like, any idiot can do something with six million, right? Like, you know, so I think kind of that's where the whole thing about the film falls apart and this thing about, like, following your dream and so on. And, you know, what it does do, which I also find unpleasant on many levels, is, of course, it kind of... It doesn't just hint, it kind of layers on the fact that the Tommy Wiseau character has a huge crush on, I Greg. Think, on Greg, right, which, you know, is kind of interesting, I suppose, on one level, but it's kind of creepy on another, and it's rendered even more creepy with the casting of the Dave Franco, with Dave Franco <laughs> in the part, which makes it on top of it kind of incestuous,
1: really, you know. I, I think well, I, I mean, uh, there's a lot to unpack, isn't there? Um, not that it mean not that it matters, but I don't think that's something the film intends. I think the film um, wants to mine that for a bit of comedy, mm. uh, but I don't think it really means it in any serious way. But that's not to say that it doesn't come across. I, well, I, mean, I, didn't, I, I, to... I didn't read it in that way. Oh
0: well, it's it's told to us all over, you know, over and over and over again, right? Like. You know, the notion of baby face and, you know, how the mother initially, you know, reads that and then how various people read this thing about baby face is clearly like implied, you know, that this is revelatory of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tommy's true interest in Greg. Um, I, I found that to be like almost overlaid, really. Like, oh, yeah, well, you see Greg with a girlfriend and the problems that that causes sure. uh, yeah, that's Tommy. True. And, you know, you never see Tommy, who's the hero of the story with any, you know, love interest. And, of course, you know, there's course the course other... he doesn't know where a vagina is. doesn't know where a vagina is and sure. blah, blah, blah. It's almost like it's so overdetermined really. Yeah,
1: um, well, I suppose, I, but it, it comes to nothing, ultimately. No, it,
0: it it comes to nothing, but it, it, yeah. to me it adds a layer of unpleasantness, really. You know, um... But anyway, I also thought the filmmaking was really amateurish, right? Like, you know, all that constantly moving camera and, you know, the jiggy camera and so on. You know, and you could understand it if it was when they were filming and it was meant to be really bad. But actually, that's James Franco's style in it, you know, altogether. So I do wish that he would, like, just put himself in, like, other people's hands, really. He's, mm. he's a disaster on his own, you know, kind <laughs> of. Like, everything he touches turns to shit, really. You know, the only times that, like, he's been really great is with a really good director, you know. It made me laugh a lot, but it is banal. But actually, I think within this movie, there is, to me, evidence of really how great James Franco is. I found him actually both funny and touching, you know, and kind of all of the choices that he made as an actor were, like, so fascinating. And it wasn't just, like, you know, a crude imitation. I think there was kind of, like real real feeling really um in it it kind of you know you felt sad for him really
1: so oh, no, i no, think I didn't. He, didn't you i didn't feel sad for tommy no oh, i, I felt sad for greg because i think greg needed to be wiser and like for, so when he, he gets offered this role by brian cranston uh, playing himself as brian cranston when he was in malcolm in the middle this is this is in the early 2000s yeah. and he says you've got beards you're an actor Come and Come. Be on beyond middle for
0: two days. That's stupid, isn't it? That's just like sheer stupidity.
1: And he and he turns it down because because Tommy says if you you know, we need you to shave your beard on this day. I'm not going to move it for you. And it is stupid that he doesn't take the rock.
0: Yeah, well, Tommy yeah. doesn't want him to have an existence or a career without yeah, him. Exactly. You know. Um,
1: so i i I felt bad for Greg and well angry at Greg at that point, um, but bad for him that he that he was. So subsumed by Tommy. Yes. He lied and to um,
0: Anyway, it's very interesting because, you know, when you see uh, at the end the characters side by side, uh, uh, James Franco has done an inc- and his makeup people have done an incredible job of making him look like Tommy Wiseau. Uh, but then, obviously, you know, there's no way that you could make David Franco look like Greg. Oh, yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I mean you know Greg seems to be like six foot and red (laughs) haired, like you know (laughs) so uh, uh, it's not uh,
1: hugely important that he looks like Greg he just needs to um, yeah be vaguely handsome Yeah, which he is yes vaguely though Um, not yours not your type well no Uh,
0: uh, but I I, well you know kind of I can only speak for myself I didn't uh, I don't think he's very handsome Um, and and yeah (laughs) Anyway, it it kind of sets up an interesting dynamic, which is different than, um, you know, what you imagine happens with with Tommy Wiseau and Greg. Because, you know, I think the fact of, you know, one being kind of quite dark and the other one being, like, you know, red-haired is, to me, interesting in an American context. Whereas, of course, you know, Dave Franco just looks like a kind of a shorter, slighter version of James, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because one of the things that made the film so interesting is that there were all these very interesting cameos. Uh, cameos. Um, the first one was Melanie Griffith, who plastic surgery has rendered so unrecognizable, you know, that I only recognize her from her voice, you know, her very distinctive kind of Betty Boop voice, uh, uh, which you know I found a bit kind of
1: interesting, really.
0: And then Sharon Stone appears, and actually it was wonderful. To see her in movies. You and
1: recognize... I, I didn't recognize her. Oh, well, yeah. I
0: think movies have missed her. She's she's great. Uh, and uh, the other person that I thought was interesting to see there is Josh Hutchison. You know, kind of playing like a, a really interesting kind of supporting part as, you know, one of the people in the movie. The young lad. The, yeah, you know, so... And that was a proper role. It wasn't just like a, you know, cameo appearance like, like Zac Efron, really. Um, so, he certainly... And it was lovely to see Megan Mullally... Uh, and so on. So he's certainly got a cast going. He's got uh, mates. Yeah, he's got mates, you know, uh, who are putting out for him, really. Uh, uh, and so kind of that was nice to see. Though, again, it doesn't really add up to much. You know? No. And actually, I think it was interesting that we were in the cinema because, you know, if it's something that I had caught on Netflix, I would just have switched off after the first ten minutes. Yeah, I think
1: I agree. You know.
0: So um, The other
1: thing is, I'm not interested in the room, really. I mean... Yes, I, I think know. this is a film that if you like The Room then you'll sit through it because it's loved because it's a film about your favorite film.
0: I know, but a colleague of mine who taught it uh uh this year, who showed it to the students, students loved it, and, you know, and they loved the whole discussion that kind of came out of that and you know the so bad it's good argument and
1: I think uh, everything so. everything people want to talk about about The Room is about that though. It's all that extra stuff. Like you can't actually talk about the film.
0: Yeah.
1: Film's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And there's no there's no point in even trying to talk about it. Yeah. You know, the, the, what it, what are the themes and what's the story? And, you know, you don't talk about that. You talk about all well, the extra stuff. Why is this film popular? Yeah. Well, the, the kind of, you know, the the social sort of, the way people react to it in, in, in the world.
0: Did you get the sense of the dream to be creative and for self-expression and, you know, and so on? Was a real one in the film or did you just get the sense that he was hot for Greg and, you know, that's it, really?
1: I think the film tells more than it shows i think i didn't feel it through anything that the characters did really um it, every scene was really just being played for some sort of laugh mm. well, certainly on the set uh, on the set of the room um the way that tommy's treating uh the cast and the crew and all that sort of stuff but um then then they'll you know they'll in conversation the characters will say to each other you know this this my movie i i want to whatever whatever it is you know uh, um, this human behaviour, I make great movie, and, and you go like, so you're telling me that this is what you want, you're telling me you want to be a star, you're telling me you want to make a great movie, the film doesn't actually express it, or anything. not No, no it doesn't. And actually,
0: I don't know, like it could have done something about this eco-maniac who had too much money and too little sense and didn't know what was going on or what was happening and actually wasn't open to the creative process because he doesn't listen to anybody, he's completely unaware and clueless.
1: Right, and right. actually doesn't understand anything about human behaviour or other people or how yes. to interact. Like I s this is what I was saying, like the film the film has too too friendly an opinion of its central Subject. character. Yeah. Um, and actually it needs to be a lot more critical. Yes. And I think well not needs to be, I mean you know, who am I don't want to say what it needs to be? But I, I think I would have enjoyed and found more interesting a film that had a much darker take on it. Yeah. That said, you know this this was a mistake. Yeah. And so um, he's not a good person.
0: All in all, a failure. You know about a, a failure really... that
1: made us laugh quite a bit. Like you still can't you can't deny that it had a bunch of good jokes and some good performances.
0: It has one great performance. I really want to underline that. I think James Franco is fantastic in this. But there's something very dispiriting about seeing a failed film about a failed film.
1: So The Room, the whole thing about The Room is it's got stories behind it and the mystery of who is Tommy Wiseau and where did he come from and the whole story about how he got made. The Disaster Artist is a book mm. initially written by Greg Sister and someone else that, that this film was then based on. So the thing about The Room is it's all about the stories behind it and it's like when they made The Disaster Artist, they wanted to have stories about how they made it. Mm. You know, It's a project... For a guy and his mates yes. who like a bad movie. And it's been inflicted on the world. <laughs> because it's James Franco. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, but I can imagine how that role would have been an enticement Actually, He's so great in it, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah I mean, well, it's, for, for all intents and purposes, I, as I understand it, it's totally his project. Mm. I don't know that it was like brought to him. I think it's, yeah. you know, he said, I want to do this. Yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. It's a, it's so a, it's a vanity project about a vanity project pretty much yeah. and it's not quite as bad as the room yeah but it's close mm. <laughs> it's a bit harsh but <laughs> cuz i did try and watch the room I, in earnest i was i was scared of watching the room for a long time like i think a lot of people seem to have this reaction they see the poster particularly the, the you know the kind of half eye the crazy looking tommy wiseau's face on that poster and they go this is some kind of creepy horror movie mm. and it's, and like it's in the film you know they they go on about how um Initially, he thought, maybe maybe Johnny is vampire. Who knows? Mm. you know? um, So I was kind of scared of watching it for a long time. Not because I thought it would scare me, but just like, what is this? Yes. And then I finally get around to watching it and I go, no, this is absolutely awful. Like, no one was kidding. This is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and I really can't sit through any of it. Like, yeah. it's not... I, I just skip to the bits that everyone knows. You know, there's the bit where they're, they're in tuxedos for no reason. There's a the bit where the mom says, or the grandmother says, she's got cancer in this light-hearted tone of just like I've got cancer, and then it never comes back in the rest of the film. There's a bit where a guy tries to kill another guy, and then like four seconds later, it's forgotten, and they're just friends again. There's the bit where he goes, "You're tearing me apart," because it's straight out of Street Kind of Desire. No, what about the? Sorry, i Rebel Without, uh, Without a Cause, Cause. Rebel Without a Cause. Sorry. Which
0: I was going to comment. Yes. Because it's Rebel Without a Cause has appeared twice. You know, in recent films, right? It's like... What else was it in? La La Land. Oh, okay. Right? It's kind of where they go on a date and, you know, where, like, the the credits appear over Emma's face and so on. You know, and I thought, oh, my God, is, like, that film having a revival now? I would like, so lovely well, if there's it is.
1: Some, there's Well, there's something about... Uh, James Dean plays a part in this because they, 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 they kind of vaguely idolise him. They go to pay pilgrimage or mm-hmm. uh, to pay respect at the uh, place where he died. Um There is
0: something, but does it mean very much? No, it doesn't. That's (laughs) the problem with this film, you know, you're trying to latch on strands, right? Uh, And kind of, they're not there, really, you know. But you know one of the things that drove me crazy, and that I thought was absolutely typical of the film, was in the conversations with James and Dave Franco, when you'd have the reverse shot on James Franco's face... Mm. You couldn't see his eyes. He was so badly lit. He lit his own brother so badly, you know, that in his close-ups, you can't see his eyes. Oh, Dave Franco. You yeah. Know. Well, James Franco had lit his own brother so badly that you can't see his <laughs> eyes. Right? <laughs> no, 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 no. So. I didn't pick I, up on that. Well, no. I thought that was like part of the, yeah. the shoddiness and the egomaniacalness. Anyway, I'm kind of. I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it because you know it's
1: just it is just so plain. Yeah, and, and what exactly what you'd expect.
0: I think the only thing I'm taking away from this is is James Franco's performance.
1: Yeah, it has nothing to say about the creative process. It has nothing to say about ambition. It has nothing to say about stardom. All these things that are wrapped up in this story, really, it should be. You know, kind of key themes. Yes, it just has nothing to say about them. It's just, it's just let's tell the story of this film we like. Okay,
0: I think I think our
1: two listeners have have gotten those points yeah, already.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's end <on> now. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.